0: grace and peace to you all from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ if you have a copy of God's word turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9 Hebrews chapter 9 we'll be looking at verses 23 through 28 here in our time together here this morning Hebrews chapter 9 Verses 23 through 28. Be speaking on the topic, our only hope. Christ, our only hope. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 23 through 28. Hear God's word. Thus, it was necessary for the copies of the holy things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with much better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he, Christ, has appeared once and for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself and just as it is appointed to uh, for man to die once and after that comes judgment so Christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time not to deal with sin but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him hallelujah may god bless his holy word here this morning. If I ask you the question, or better yet, if you stand before God the Father and God the Father asks you this question, or you've heard it before, why should I let you into heaven? How would you answer that question? How, how would you answer that? What if somebody met you on the on the streets and 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 they ask you how it is that you're going to heaven how would you answer that question how would you answer the question how it is that you are receiving the blessings of god's grace how would you answer that question how would you answer the question that if uh, as a believer someone asks you how it is that you are not going to experience the wrath of god how would you answer that question better yet is the way you live in your life is that does it align with your view of the way you would answer that question would you say is my good works what i'm doing is, is that how you would answer that question you do devotions every day, is that what you would is that the reasoning you would give to a Holy God of why He should let you into heaven? Perhaps you would even say, "I trust in Jesus Christ. I have faith in him, but can I tell you it's not faith that saves? It's not your faith that is the reason you're going to enter heaven. It's because of Christ that you're going to enter heaven. The answer to the question, students, is Christ. Christ alone. Nothing that is tied to you will cause God to open the doors of heaven to let you in. It is Christ. The answer is Christ. Christ is sufficient. Christ alone is the reason why if you had to answer the question before a holy God, why it is that I should let you in heaven, Christ and Christ alone? Not my works. Not because I go to church every Sunday. Not because I sing and pray, but because of Christ and Christ alone. Christ is who I depend upon. Christ is who I cling to. Christ is who I trust in. It is Christ alone. And and this is what the author will be helping us to, to understand just a little bit more clearly today in the text that we'll be looking at. It is Christ, our great high priest, who has gone into the heavenly sanctuary and there he represents you and I who are believers. All the blessings that we have, That we're experiencing, all the blessings that we'll experience in eternity is because of Christ. Christ alone. All the answers to prayer as we pray uh, to God uh, as our Father, even that privilege to pray to God as our Father, is because of Christ and His intercession and His representing us as the Lamb of God before the throne of God. It's because of Christ. And this is has been the author's focus uh, throughout the, the uh, Hebrews: is that the Christ is preeminent. He He is preeminent, uh, and God has has spoken through Him in these final days. And salvation uh, is only, and redemption is only available through Him, Christ. Christ alone. Christ is is a better sacrifice. It's what we're going to see starting here in verse twenty-three. Let's let's get to the text and and notice. What the author is uh, teaching us here today, he says, verse 23, thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. Talking about what he has just discussed in reference to the, the, the blood of animal sacrifices being applied to everything. He says, thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. You notice that the writer. Here in the uh, ESV starts with the with thus. This is a, a logical he, he's getting ready to make a logical uh, conclusion from, from what he has just discussed back in uh, chapter chapter nine, uh, chapter nine, even in chapter eight, talking about the tabernacle and how the tabernacle and and the objects in the tabernacle was was uh, a representative of Christ who would come. Uh, uh, come and and really fulfill those things. The wilderness tabernacle and its furnishings—they were just simply copies. They they were copies of the the heavenly realities. Uh, Stuart uh, Olay said this. He said it: the tabernacle and all the the things therein. He said, "Quote: It was a visual aid intended to convey to our minds certain spiritual truths." Which we would not otherwise be able to grasp the 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 copies of the heavenly things they were 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 blessings to us, teaching us something about heaven, teaching us something about Christ. And the writer says it was necessary for the copies, copies of the heaven things to be purified with these rites. He says it was necessary. It was an absolute requirement that the earthly tabernacle and, and everything that was used in it in the ceremonies had to be purified with blood. These This, this ceremonial purification was necessary. It, of these things, it was it was necessary uh to be acceptable to God and to be used in worship to him. But notice what the writer says he says but the heavenly things the heavenly things themselves with, with better sacrifices than these. The 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 heavenly sanctuary was was the reality of the earthly copy the, the earthly tabernacle the earthly tents and and it needed a, the, the 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 heavenly tabernacle needed a, a better sacrifice, and that better sacrifice was Christ. And 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 so we we run into some problems here, if uh, theologically as we look at this. The, 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 what does it mean? What, what does it mean that the heavenly things themselves must also be purified? Do, do heaven is does heaven need to be purified? I mean. Heaven is the place of where Holy God dwells. Uh, the, there is no in, impurity in heaven. And how is it that the writer is saying that the heavenly things, uh, the, the heavenly things, they, they need to be purified. Is, is heaven in some way defiled by human sin? We run into a problem if we say yes, because that's that's not the case. What well, what well, maybe maybe it was because Satan fell in heaven. Maybe that's why the writer is saying that the the heavenly things themselves uh, need needed to 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 be be purified. No, I, I don't think so. Uh, there there are many different views uh, that uh, commentaries give, but here is one that. I'll stick with and it's uh the opinion of Robert Martin he uh he says this he said following the same pattern of the earthly tabernacle being uh with blood uh being sprinkled with blood following that same uh uh pattern he said uh that the purification of the heavenly sanctuary uh had to be had to be purified because uh it, it, not, not, uh, how is it purified? It's uh, purified because Christ is there. Christ, who has died for our sins, he he is he is there, uh, as Revelation says. He is the Lamb of God. He is he is there representing us. Th- this is how heaven uh, is purified. And and the uh, Robert Martin said it. It's the purification of heaven was not due to impurity in it but because of the impurity of those whom Christ represents. I think this gets at the the heart of of what the the author is getting at. Heaven uh, is is purified in a sense that Christ is there representing us. You say, where is that in scripture? Turn to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter one, verse 20. And notice what Paul says about, our relation our, our our current union with christ ephesians chapter one verse twenty and it says here says that uh starting let's go back at verse number eighteen he paul is is praying having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which uh, he has called you, which are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ. Notice when he raised him from the dead and seated him in heavenly places, uh, uh, seated him in heavenly places. Keep, keep that uh, in your mind as we go turn over to chapter two verses five and six. He says, even when we were dead in trespasses, we were made alive together with Christ by grace. You have been saved. Notice Christ. We just read that Christ has been raised from the dead and he is seated uh, at the right hand, uh, at the right hand of the father in heavenly places. And, And notice what verse six says. We have been verse five says we've been saved by grace. Verse six and raised up with him and seated us with him in uh, in in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're uh, our union with Christ and, and the life that Christ has secured for us, the redemption that Christ has secured for us. It is so secure that it can be said that we are seated in heaven with Christ. That only happens because Christ, the Lamb of God, is in heaven representing us. Turn to Colossians chapter three. Colossians chapter three. Verse number one, we look at verses one through four. Our life is is so secure. Uh, our new life that we have in Christ, it it it, it is so secure. It, it, is, it is such a reality that it can be said that that our our life is is with Christ in heaven. And that's what Paul says here, starting at verse one. He says, if you have been raised up with Christ, seat the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above not on things that are on earth for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Where's Christ? He is at the right hand of the father. And Paul says your life, the life that, that you have that, that the, the, the spiritual life that, that you have now and that you will possess it it is, it is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is only possible. It is only possible to say that we are unified with Christ and where Christ is, in a sense, we are. And that's only possible because of Christ and the blood that he has shed for us. Kent Hughes said it this way. He offered this explanation. He says, What is defiled is nothing less than us. Just as the tabernacle had to be anointed and purified so that God might show his presence there, even so the people of God must be cleansed and sanctified so as to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Holy Spirit. End quote. Well, our relationship and our union with Christ is such that we have God, the Holy Spirit, indwelling us. Our relationship with, with uh, Christ is, is such that it can be said that we are seated with him in heavenly places. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That is the language, that is the, the, the heavenly uh, language that we're to have because of what Christ has done. Our citizenship is where, in heaven. It, it is it, we can say that we now, as believers in Christ, are citizens of heaven, and we can say it without shame because our sin has been cleansed by Christ, who is seated in heavenly places. So I believe that's what the author is getting at. We don't have him here to ask him, of course, but I think this that is what the author is, is trying to tell us here, because look at what he says in verse number 24. Look at verse 24, it says, but Christ has entered into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of Of God on our behalf, Christ. He says, "For Christ, Christ, the God-Man, Christ, the 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 prophesied, uh, the promised Messiah uh, of the Old Testament, Christ, who he he, who was born uh, of a woman, Christ, who who lived a perfect life, Christ, who who died on the cross to bear our sins, Christ." The God man who was raised from the dead, Christ, the God man who was, who ascended. He was seen by his disciples for 40 days and he ascended into heaven. Christ who ascended into heaven. He uh, the writer says he has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are a copy of the true things, but into heaven itself. And no, and, and the reason why, why did Christ appear in heaven? This should make you say, hallelujah. No, he says now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Just as the high priest on the day of atonement is his, his uh, part of uh, his dress was that he had the the 12 tribes of Israel written on his chest as he went into the holiest of holies on the day of atonement he he went in bearing the name of the tribes of Israel therefore representing all the people of Israel he went into the holiest of holies representing the people of Israel Christ our lord our savior has 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 entered heaven the, 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 the holy heaven. And he has taken with him all of us, all of us, all of our names are written in heaven because Christ, because he is there representing us. He has gone and he he, he, he continues to do his work of mediation, his work of, of intercessory, uh, intercessory work as our great high priest. He does that in the presence of God representing us. He is interceding for us before the Father. He has sent the Holy Spirit who indwells us, who seals us until the the day of redemption. Christ is, is representing us and he is protecting us and he is blessing us. He is pouring out blessings upon you and our grace upon grace we're receiving. The, the grace you, you have received to walk through trials is because Christ is representing you before the Father. The grace that you need to live the Christian life is because Christ is representing you before the Father. It's not because of you. Christ, the... Christ is, is is presenting himself as the, the lamb slain and as your and mine, those who are in Christ, he is presenting himself as the righteous substitute so that we can approach God, so that we can come to God on the day of worship and pray to him and know that he that he hears our prayers it's because of Christ. And he is representing us. He is representing every single, single believer before God. How dare we say that we are able, and one day be able to go to heaven because of something we done? How dare we look? upon what we do in this world as if it originated with us. That great thing that you have done, that great thing that you attempted to boast in is only because of what Christ has done. And he now appears in God's presence on our behalf. He appears in God's presence for us. Christ, his sacrifice, what what exactly, what, what did it accomplish for us? He represents us before the Father. He has, in a sense, cleansed us so that we can go to heaven. What else has Christ sacrificed done? What what else has it accomplished for us? Well, it, it has provided a sacrifice that was that was offered once. Look at verse 25. The writer says, "Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly. Christ did not enter uh heaven in order to Repeat his sacrifice over and over his his blood as our high priest his the is is better than the blood of the animals that were presented repeatedly uh, in under the old covenant. Uh, these sacrifices of animals had to repeat be repeated over and over again, year after year but but Christ. Our our great high priest. He it says as he enters the holy places every year. Uh, uh, talking about the high priest, uh, nor it was to offer himself repeatedly. The high priest enters the holy place every year with with blood not his own. But but Christ Christ was different. His his sacrificial death was better. His sacrifice was not needed to be repeated over and over again. Christ's sacrifice accomplished eternal redemption. His one sacrifice accomplished eternal redemption. His one sacrifice accomplished redemption forever does not need to be repeated. What Christ has done does not need to be repeated. Verse 26 for then if, if, if Christ had entered the, the holy place, to offer himself repeatedly, the writer says in verse 26, he said, for then he would have to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. If, if Christ sacrificed, uh, if, if God called for Christ to be sacrificed repeatedly, he would have been sacrificing himself uh, repeatedly from the foundation of the world. But that's not the case. That's not the case with Christ. Christ, he has finished the work that he came to accomplish on the cross. And how do we know that? Christ said on the cross, it is finished. How do we know that? Christ was raised from the dead. How do we know that? Christ ascended into heaven. How do we know that Christ is now seated at the right hand of the father? Therefore his work is finished. There is nothing else he needs to do in regards to our salvation. His his appointed death because of his life, because of his death, burial and resurrection uh, because he, he was appointed to die. We, we know that his death, because he is seated at the right hand of the Father, was accepted by God, and it doesn't need to be repeated anymore. But our Catholic friends, uh, the, the, those who uh, are the Catholics during the Mass, they believe that God must uh, be perpetually satisfied every week in the Mass. They they must present Christ the uh, the elements that that they present uh, the bread actually becomes the body of Christ and the wine actually becomes the blood of Christ and what they're doing is that they're they are offering uh, the the same sacrifice that Jesus offered on the cross when they when they do mass when they have mass they're offering Christ the same, This is what they believe. The same sacrifice that Christ offered on the cross is the same sacrifice that they're presenting in mass. They are re-crucifying Christ over and over again. According to what they believe. That's not, that's heresy. That's that's blasphemous to say that Christ needs to be you know every week uh, Christ needs to be crucified over and over again. The writer of Hebrews says of of Christ, it says, but as it is, he has appeared once and for all. (laughs) Christ is. He has appeared he has he has given his life, and that sacrifice is a once and for all sacrifice his 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 atoning work on the cross is sufficient; it is sufficient it is the final atonement that sacrifice that satisfied the justice of God. There needs not be another. The writer says, but as it is, he has appeared once and for all at the end of the ages. He, the author is referring to the Jesus death on the cross Jesus sacrifice his sacrificial death fulfills what is what is necessary for salvation. His death is sufficient, it is efficacious, and it is the climax of human history once and for all the writer says at the end of the ages this be, be christ's death is the mark of the end of the ages and we'll see. What comes next? What is next on God's calendar? But it says, but Christ has appeared once and for all at the end of the ages. Notice what the writer says to put away sin. Jesus appeared to take away his people's sins. Jesus shed his blood to take away our sin, to put away Uh, our sin to put away means to remove it means to to remove The, the old covenant sacrifices could never put away sin how do we know that because the sacrifices had to be done year after year but christ his one time sacrifice has put away it has removed the sin of those who trust in him forever forever and this points to the greatness of Christ's sacrifice. It points to the, to the, uh, to the effectiveness of, of Christ's sacrifice. Christ's death on the cross doesn't merely make us savable. It saves us. It doesn't make us redeemable. It redeems us. He, he came to, to put away sin. John says this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 5. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, And in him, there is no sin. He put away sin, not his own sin. He put away our sin. There was no sin in Christ. And because of who he is, the perfect lamb of God, the one who lived a righteous life, in him, our sins are done away with. Why? Because uh, the writer says to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Uh, uh, again, this points to the to Christ, His person here, the absolute perfection of Christ, the absolute perfection of the offering of Christ. He has fully, once for all, dealt with the sin problem. <laughs> God's justice demanded payment for sin; Christ paid it. He took every bit of punishment your sin deserved. Every every sin you have committed, every sin you've committed, every sin you will commit, Jesus Christ has taken every all the punishment that was due for all of those sins. He has taken the punishment for those sins upon himself every sin you can you imagine that's why the writer hebrews called the salvation we have earlier in in hebrews he says it is a great salvation do you realize beloved how great your salvation is it is so great it is so great that all of your sin. Christ has bore the punishment of all of your sins. Every, even the little bitty sins. Christ bore the punishment for that. When he sacrificed himself. Every form of sin. Every degree of sin. Has been dealt with. In the last. Of God's children. There is nothing else you and I need to do in order for our sins to be dealt with. Christ has done what his sacrifice was sufficient, his perfect sacrifice was uh, acceptable to God in every way. And this is because he gave himself for you and I. So, the sin problem has been dealt with. And this is important for us to understand. This is important for us to understand as we take the gospel message to the world. It's important for us to understand because the writer says in verse 27, and just as it is appointed to man to die once. And this is the problem that sin brings, is that ultimately, we will all die. The the present tense of appointed here it, it expresses the that disappointment to die is a is, is continually true for for all mankind. For 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 everyone born into the world, this this is true. And it is true because sin entered the world because of what Adam has done in the garden. So for for man, we're for all men, men, women, boys, and girls, we will ultimately die unless Christ comes back. Unless Christ comes back, the 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 archangel will will uh will call out and we'll we'll join Christ in the air. But if that don't happen, we it has been appointed that all will die death your death my death is certain and the death of everyone who is in the world who do not know christ their death is certain god and it is certain because god has determined it Job chapter 14 verse 5 says since the days since his days are determined talking about man and the number of his months is with you and you have appointed his limits that he cannot pass. you and I have been a have an appointment with death we, we we have an appointment with death and and even though uh those who are in christ even though our sins have been forgiven, we're still going to die we We can't escape this reality. Now, saying this, this doesn't mean just just give up and die. That's, 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 that's not what it, just because we, we're going to die one day, it doesn't mean that we're to give up and die. But we're to, uh, in a sense, live our days, our, our days with wisdom, the days that God has given us, the days that God has appointed us to live on this earth, whether they're filled with trial, whether they feel with tribulation, whether they feel with suffering, we live our days for the honor of Jesus Christ. Death is is is, uh, is a punishment for sin. It is a punishment for sin because of it's death was not a part of God's uh, plan for for Adam and Eve but death was because of their sin. In Romans 5 and 12, said, so therefore just as sin came into the world through one man, talking about Adam, who was represented the human race, and death through sin, so the death spread to all men because of all sin. Because of the sin of Adam, who represented the human race, sin has entered into our, uh, death has entered into our existence. And we die once. Notice that we die once. You're not going to be reincarnated. You're not going to come back as an animal, as a whale, as a dolphin. You, you're not going to die and go live on some other world. When, when you die, when you die, notice what the text says. It says for man to die once and after that comes the judgment. One death followed by judgment. Notice that the passage doesn't mit- mention purgatory. You, you you're not you don't die and go to purgatory. You you don't go you don't die and go there and and and, and people can offer prayers and and gifts in order to 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 uh shorten your time and and pray. that's that's not what this text says it says for man to die once and after that comes the judgment act 17 paul said this in Acts 17 uh chapter 17 verses 30 through 31 he said the times of ignorance got overlooked but now commands all people everywhere to repent this this is why this is why what Christ has done on the cross is is so important. That's why it is so important that we take the gospel message out because now God commands all people everywhere, everywhere you go, each and every one of you, you go somewhere. If you're a believer, take this in your mind that, that everywhere you go, God commands all people everywhere to repent. Verse 31, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. talking about Christ. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Second Corinthians 5 and 10 says this, for we all for for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So that each one may, and this is for us who are believers. We, we're, we don't appear before before God to be judged. We appear before God to be rewarded. For for we for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or 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 evil. Just a, a measure of. Of of rewards that that we will receive when we will appear before God, uh, bef- uh, appear before Christ, who is the the righteous Judge. But everybody will appear before Christ. And we have to say this as well: when when a child of God dies. It's not because of God's wrath against them. It's because because Christ has already put away sin. So when a a child of God dies, we can rejoice. We can mourn and weep, but we can mourn and weep with joy because absent from the body, present with the Lord. We, We can rejoice. But we need to be concerned about those who are in the world that we come in contact with every day that don't know Jesus Christ. If they die, just think about this reality. That person that you run across, if they die in their sins, next, what's next for them is the judgment of God. And what's next after that is eternal damnation. They're going to hell forever. So we should live with concern for those who are in the world, and yet we should live with joy, because Romans five and nine says we have been justified by His blood. Much more shall we be saved, uh, saved by Him from the wrath of God. We rejoice. We should rejoice, live rejoicing, because we've been saved from God's wrath in Christ, and yet we should live proclaiming the gospel because those who don't know Christ will experience the wrath of God. Those who reject Christ, they reject Christ. God will call them into account one day. And so we should be praying hard. We should be taking every opportunity we have to come in contact with the world to let them know about Christ, our great high priest. Who will receive them? they don't have to work they, you know people I talk to every so often, you hear somebody say, "Well, I got to get right, I got to get myself right before i before I I, I I commit myself to Christ. No they don't need to get right. you can't get right. All you need to do is trust Christ. Oh, this you know it's you know and, and really what they're saying is that there are some that they, they're enjoying their sin and they don't want to give it up. And our, 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 we should make it our goal to help them to understand that the sin that they're that they're wallowing, in, that the sin that they're embracing, it does not, it does not compare to the treasure of heaven. That it does not compare to the treasure of Jesus Christ. And we should speak it, and and we should we should speak it in a way that that others are convinced that we're convinced. I remember a brother came to me, not a brother, a guy from the world said, you really believe, you really believe what, what you're talking about? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, I believe. Do I live like it all the time? No. But with all my heart, I believe that Christ died for my sins. I believe that Christ died for every sin of those who are a child of God in this building. I believe that. And I believe that he offered himself one time. Verse 28. So Christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many, Christ, Christ came and offered himself to, to bear the sins of those, who come to Christ. And that is the responsibility of everyone. Everyone is responsible. We're not responsible to know who the elect are. We're not responsible to know those who are called. We're responsible simply to to respond to Jesus Christ. If you hear, if you, if you hear in this message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you're watching online and if you hear in this message, the gospel that call, that Jesus says, come unto me, all ye who are uh, heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. That is the gospel call. The gospel call is to come to Christ and trust in him. And if you hear that and, and if you in your heart know that that is a call for you. Come to Christ. That is your responsibility. Come to him. Trust in him. Acknowledge that you're a sinner. Repent of your sins. Turn away from your sins. Turn to Christ. Live for him. That's your responsibility. Because Christ has done the work. He has offered himself once to bear bear the, the sins of many. And it may be you. Come to Christ. And for those of us who are in Christ, notice what it says. It says that, uh, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin. Christ's second coming is not to come and atone for sins because he's already done that. He's already said it is finished. Our sins has already been removed once and for all. Christ has been judged in our place. When Christ comes again, he will come. Whether we are living, whether believers, talking about believers, whether we're living, whether we're in great, remember we talked about that in 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. Those who those who have died, those who are asleep, will be caught up in heaven with Christ, <laughs> and those who are alive will will be caught up in in uh, uh, in, in in the heaven in the heavenly with with Christ. It's, the text says, "Christ, He's not coming a second time to deal with sin, but to save those who eagerly, who who are eagerly waiting for Him." Christ is our high priest and he's coming from the heaven tabernacle ch- to appear a second time to bring the blessing of full salvation. And that's what all of our hearts desire. If you're a believer, you desire full salvation. You de- you desire to be with God. You desire to be with Christ where he is. That, that is, a, that is a, a desire that God has given you in your heart. And one day, Christ is going to come and make that a reality. Those who are, and this is the character of a true believer, eagerly, eagerly waiting for him. Waiting for him, eagerly, not passively letting the world go by, eagerly waiting for him if you're a true believer, you're constantly thinking about Christ and his return. You're you're living in such a way as if Christ will return. You live a life that glorifies him. This this is what it means to to eagerly uh, uh, await him. And and, and notice it says, are eagerly waiting for him. and God is 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 only pleased with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ and and he will he's going to accept and embrace those who have cried out to Christ for undeserved mercy and to be placed in his death Don't, It says eagerly waiting for him we're waiting for a person. the only authorized person that can get, that will bring us into heaven. Are are you eagerly, can can, can it be said of you that you're eagerly waiting for Christ who made your salvation from God's judgment possible? Sometimes we can get distracted with things of this world that That is true, and sometimes we can get we can be weighed down with the burdens that we're bearing in this world, but what God has given us is Christ Christ is God's message to us. That's what Hebrews chapter one said. God spoke through prophets in time past. In these last days, he has spoken to us in his son. God has spoken to us in his son. He said one day, if you trust in him, the sorrow, the tears that you're crying because you're suffering in this world, one day, those tears are gonna be wiped away. You're frustrated by the way things are in this world, by just the rampant sin And God says, in Christ, I'm going to come back and make it right. Why would anyone turn away from Christ and go back to the sacrificial, Old Testament sacrificial system? This is the point that Arthur's is making. Why would anybody today turn to, 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 to anything but Christ and Him crucified? And Him crucified once and for all. For I said, Why would anybody turn to anything other than Christ? Stephen Olay said this of Christ's return. He said, The day of Christ's return will be the final display. Of the superiority of the new covenant o- over the old, the new covenant not only gives us access to God now, but an eternal home in His heavenly glory. End quote. Hallelujah! That's why that's why all of this is important. We the the writer of Hebrews is giving us some sense of what Christ has done for us and how, how glorious it, it, it is to, to get a grasp of what God has done. God didn't have to do all of this. He, he didn't have to, to, to authorize the old covenant. He didn't have to do all of that, but he did it so that we can get an understanding and praise God and worship Christ for what he has done. We would have no idea what it, what it would mean that Christ redeemed us if it had not been for the old covenant. We would never understand what it means that Christ is our great high priest who has brought about a great salvation, who has brought about eternal redemption, who has enabled us to have an eternal inheritance. We wouldn't understand what none of that means apart from what God has done in the old, old covenant. And God has has he 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 is so he is so precious with his he, he is so gracious with us like little children, little like little. Tr- I want you to understand what I have done for you. That's what he's saying in Hebrew. I want you to understand what I, I want you to see what I've done for you. Let us pray, Father. We can. We can be so. So arrogant at times. Looking at ourselves and what we've done in this world. And it feels so good about what we've done. Not realizing that any good that we do, any good any good that we do that is pleasing to you is because of Christ and what he has done. And we're able to rejoice and to worship and to praise you because Christ has offered a sacrifice, a one-time sacrifice. We don't have to fret or worry about going to, to a temple and offering up sacrifices in order to, to fellowship with you. Christ has done that in the giving of himself. And Father, we, we, we can be so ungrateful. We can be so ungrateful at times. Help us to cherish Christ. And we and all who are believers, it doesn't matter how much we know. It doesn't matter how long we've been saved. We can all rejoice in Christ. We can all treasure Christ because whether we were saved yesterday, whether we were saved fifty years ago christ's death is sufficient. <laughs> hallelujah, thank you that christ's death is sufficient, and we can go and rejoice and not be ashamed of Christ and him crucified because Christ is the only way anyone will be able to enter heaven. We don't need to be ashamed. We need to be bold. We need to be intentional. We need to be courageous. We need to be like the Apostle Paul who said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Others should see in our lives that uh, who Christ is and what He has done. And so, Father, thank you, thank you for these timeless truths that you have given us in this letter to the Hebrew believers. May these continue to be a blessing to our soul, even as many, even many here today are facing difficulties in this life. May The reality of Christ, who is at the right hand of of the Father, may Christ be that which gives all of us, even if we're suffering, gives us the joy we need to endure another day. Thank you for a sufficient sacrifice in Christ. It's in his name I pray. Amen.